If you're an everydayer on Locked on Tar Heels, you know that the plan for recording this show was to record it on Friday, kind of mid-morning after the transfer portal had already closed on Thursday night. But uh, my man DeMarco Dunn had different plans for my life. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, May 12th, 2023. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making us your first listen or watch of the day. Well, uh, as a quick reminder, one week from today is a mailbag episode. Going to be taking all your questions, Tar Heel related or other. I don't care. We'd just love to be able to answer your questions. Get them in now. LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. You can DM me. You can DM the show. You can put it on YouTube, on the community tab. We've got a question going there where you can drop in your mailbag questions. And we'll get to them one week from today, May 19th. Overview of the show today. We want to look at the ramifications of DeMarco Dunn's transfer out what it means, what it tells us, the scholarship count. We're going to do our usual Friday whip around. We've got our heels of the week, the good and the bad. And uh, man, a dramatic walk-off victory for North Carolina baseball on Thursday night. But first, listen, I, I, I said it in the cold open. The plan was to record this episode Friday, kind of mid morning, you know, wake up, have a, have a nice coffee, get my kids off to school and uh, then just come back and, and record this episode because the transfer portal would have closed Thursday night, have a pretty good idea about what will have happened or not happened. But uh, our guy DeMarco Dunn wrecked all of that on Thursday afternoon when we learned of his transfer, meaning that now a full seven Tar Heels have transferred this offseason off of last year's roster. That includes Caleb Love, Dontrez Styles, Puff Johnson, Tyler Nickel, Justin McCoy, Will Shaver, who we'll get to in a little bit, and now DeMarco Dunn as well. Well, let's attack this transfer out this way. For those of you that watched Wednesday's show, if you didn't, you should go back and watch it with Coach Pat Kilby and myself as we do every Wednesday we talked about the the difficulty of the potential timelines that are out there because with the transfer portal closing on Thursday and the potential uncertainty of who might be coming later on in the cycle, anybody who might be a potential to transfer out was going to be in a tough spot. And chiefly, we talked about DeMarco Dunn and Seth Trimble. Now, in all fairness, if you watch that show, you know that both both Pat Kilby and I said, between Seth and DeMarco, we both thought Seth would be the one to transfer if someone was going to transfer. But then we also both said, but at the end of the day, I don't think anyone will transfer. So what up, cold takes exposed, am I right? But here's the thing. While this is a difficult timeline, I, I hate that DeMarco's leaving, right? Like, I, I hate that that's a thing and that that's where we're at in college athletics right now. But I am very glad that he's able to do so on his own terms, that that he 
um, does that instead of being stuck if the playing time wasn't going to be there for him if somebody transfers in later or reclassifies in later. Another way to say it, I'm glad he was able to make his move instead of being blindsided by it. And I think this goes back to the internal conversations the coaching staff is having with other players and with the internal players. And if DeMarco saw the writing on the wall and said, you know what? I'm probably going to be the sixth guard if if that's you know what it was going to be. I it, Fifth, maybe even. It's just like the playing time's not there, so I'm going to leave. And frankly, I, I can't blame him if he's getting recruited over either through the portal or through incoming freshmen. But let me also say this that I said about Wednesday's show, that I said on Wednesday's show. <laughs> While I, yes, initially said... I think Seth would be the one to go between the two of them, but that I didn't think either of them would go. I later did come back around and say, you know, the more I think about it, for DeMarco, he's got less eligibility left in college. For Seth, he's got three more years to play this thing out, continue to grow and develop if he so chooses. And it, it sounds like from things we're hearing and seeing that that he's all in and has zero plans of going anywhere. But as for DeMarco, he's only got two years left. This year, where it seems like, once again, he's not going to be a 15 to 20 minute per game type of guy. And then you even look ahead to his senior year. Who knows what of the current roster would still be around? Who knows who else is going to commit in the class of 24 that might be in the way? And so if I'm DeMarco Dunn, I can't blame him. If I've only got those two years... And I want to make sure to be able to utilize those at a place where I can get a lot of run and play a lot of minutes. By all means, I might be out the door too. And I, and I hate that, right? Like I, I don't like an era where it's not you stay and play and develop and then guys come along and, and you develop them and all that. It's just not where we're at right now. And yes, there are things that need to be figured out. But for this specific situation, I can't blame DeMarco for the state of things. So with DeMarco's transfer out, what does it mean for the scholarship count? I know uh, it's always the thing when somebody's going out or coming in, people are waiting at this point now on my uh, beautiful rainbow scholarship chart to come out. And uh, it was tough on Thursday because I was actually in a meeting for something else and I couldn't get around to it for about 30, 45 minutes. And so uh, I'm sorry if you were hitting refresh but uh, I eventually got it up. And for those of you watching on YouTube, I'm going to share it now, but also talk through it so that you, those of you listening, you're not missing out on anything. But if you do want to see it, make sure to come check out the show on YouTube, or you can just find the chart on my Twitter profile at Isaac Shade. So for those of you watching, you're seeing that now North Carolina with DeMarco Dunn's transfer out has three open scholarships. There were two prior to this. For those of you who might be new or, or not necessarily know how scholarship math works, you get 13 full-ride scholarships for a men's college basketball team each season. And so that's kind of how we keep up with things, who has scholarships, etc. So at the top level working down, there are three players utilizing that fifth year of COVID eligibility right now. That's Armando Baycott, Cormac Ryan, Paxson Wojcik. And then you have the rising seniors, both of whom have an extra year of COVID eligibility, as you see if you're watching, marked by two asterisks. And that's RJ Davis and then the Louisville incoming transfer, Jalen Withers. 
And then now there was only one junior on this roster and he wasn't even an original Carolina commit and it's Harrison Ingram. The entire rest of that class is now gone with DeMarco Dunn transferring out. So uh, the, the two sophomores remaining are Seth Trimble and Jalen Washington, and then the two incoming freshmen, Zayden High and Simeon Wilcher. So all that adds up to 10 players, and that's what we're looking at now, meaning that there are three open scholarships available. I'll leave this chart up so that those of you watching, if you want to, can continue to see that. And you see how the uh, scholarships diminish as you go through. Obviously, uh, not everyone is going to do what you see there. Like for, for those of you not seeing the chart, it's got Ian Jackson all the way through to the class of 27-28 when he comes from 24-25. He's not going to stay that long. This chart just shows what a player could do, the eligibility they do have. So that's what you're seeing if you've never seen my rainbow scholarship chart before. So as I said earlier, as you continue to uh, either see the chart or hear me talk about it, Dunn is the seventh Tar Heel to transfer out. And you just heard me say that there are 13 scholarships. Quick math tells you that now over half of last year's scholarship players have transferred out. Keep in mind that there were two more who ran out of eligibility and are gone. That's obviously Leaky Black and Pete Nance. Meaning that at this point of last year's 13 scholarship players, only four remain. And that's Armando Baycott, RJ Davis, and the two remaining sophomores, Seth Trimble and Jalen Washington. Crazy stuff there. Um, and it's funny before the DeMarco Dunn news, assuming that no one had entered the transfer portal, my plan for this episode was to look at those two remaining scholarships, tell you what I think is going to happen. But uh, now we got three. And so it's a whole new thing. And I'm actually going to save that for Monday show. I want to unpack it a little more in depth. And there's other things I want to talk about today. So if you're wondering about, hey, what's going to happen with those three scholarships, I am going to talk about one of them today here in just a minute, but the other two we're going to save for Monday's show. And so that's where we stand today. Three scholarships remaining, seven transfers out, four remaining scholarship players, and uh, three scholarships left to go. So the question next is, why did this happen? Why did DeMarco Dunn decide to transfer out, or at least uh, we learned about it, on the very day that the transfer portal was going to close? Well, I don't know about you, but it seems pretty, pretty obvious to me. And yes, that was a Curb Your Enthusiasm reference for those of you who know. We'll unpack why I believe DeMarco Dunn made this decision here in just a second. But first, let me tell you that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Built. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar out there. Built Bars and Built Puffs. If you're like me and you want healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then seriously, these bars and puffs from Built are the way to go. They're amazing. They're healthy. They taste great. But you won't even think it's healthy for you because they taste so good. Well, what, what are some of the things that make Built stand out? Why is it so good? Well, number one, it's covered in 100% real dark chocolate. Number two, they come in flavors that really are legitimately good, like churro and peanut butter brownie. Three, even while they taste good, they maintain these amazing macros. Only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and yet 17 grams of protein. And then a logistical thing that's pretty helpful now, you don't have to wait around for a box 
to come from Built.com. You can just head down to Sam's Club or Walmart and grab yourself a normal size box or a granddaddy box right there at one of those stores. Go get you some Built Bars or Puffs. A proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Thanks for making the show once again your first listener watch of the day. For you every day, as a reminder, coming up next week on Monday, we're going to unpack more in depth these three remaining scholarships. Going to have a conversation on Wednesday, as we always do with Pat Kilby. On Thursday's show, going to be joined by Anthony Pagnata and Josh Marlowe, the guys from Heel Tough Blog. We got some basketball and some football conversation to have. And then on Friday, as I already said, will be a mailbag episode. So getting back into DeMarco Dunn's decision to transfer, why did this happen? Let's go back to the timeline thing. Remember we talked about, it seems like an unfair timeline for those who might be fringe on staying or going, unless the coaching staff has knowledge about who they are going to have come or not, and then shares that with the existing team, which I think is only fair. And so what this says to me is that DeMarco Dunn knew someone else who was coming to join the backcourt later on at some point this summer. You with me? If you're not with me, let me tell you. It, frankly, I don't think takes a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist to figure this out. The writing has been on the wall. The rumors have been flying. This, to me, is an even clearer indication than we already had that Elliot Cadeau is going to play for the Tar Heels the upcoming season, which is a bummer for me because I was excited to go watch him play at Link Academy just an hour and a half south of me in Branson. But this is a telltale sign that all the smoke, all the rumors are going to indeed happen. Why? If I mean, I know the backcourt is pretty loaded already. There were six guys with Dunn still on the roster. And I felt like he would have gotten adequate solid playing time, had a role carved out for himself with that. But if someone else is coming in, that makes seven. And that someone else that's coming in is going to be slotted in above DeMarco Dunn on the depth chart and push him even further down. No, farther down. <laughs> and so um, that that is, to me, the clear and obvious reason why. Elliot Cadeau is coming and DeMarco Dunn is going. That, that is the nature of where we're at in this day and age. Now, keep in mind, hear me say this, the potential of Elliot Cadeau reclassifying has nothing at all to do with the timing of the transfer portal. I think there's probably a thought for some people out there, I'm not saying everyone, that because the transfer portal closed on Thursday night, that if Cadeau's going to reclassify, he has to announce that in that same time frame. And that's not true. That is why, we're again, we're talking about this timeline kind of being unfair to fringe guys in this type situation. But the truth is, Cadeau can reclassify at any time and decide to come. And so he's got some more summer playing to do. And, you know, I, I don't know when an announcement could come, but it's going to happen. It seems like from every indication we were already seeing and hearing just little bits and pieces of, and now this kind of thing is a clear and obvious breadcrumb that Hansel and Gretel left for us along the way. <laughs> you, you vibing with me? So um, let me tell you, though, a couple of other things that you might need to know about the transfer portal that you might not be aware of. 
even though the transfer portal closed yesterday on Thursday, we might not yet know all the names that are entering into the transfer portal. Why? Well, some of that is because it there's paperwork that has to be processed and other things. And it's not some public, you know, I can't just go hop on the transfer portal and see what the NCAA has got. They make it obviously uh, available to all the schools, but random Johnny Q sports fan can't just go look at the transfer portal. And so it, it takes a bit of time for that to become public unless someone is making their intentions known. And so there could, there could be players that hopped in at the last minute that we don't yet know whenever you're watching or listening to this on Friday. So just keep that in mind. We think we know everyone that's in, but we might not. So there might be more that come up and, and don't be surprised about that. On the flip side of that, this is only the, the deadline for the transfer portal is just players leaving. If a player is in the transfer portal, they don't have to have committed by Thursday. And so with these three scholarships that Carolina has, if any more of them are going to be someone coming in to Carolina that's a transfer, it's okay that that hasn't happened yet. There's still plenty of time for that if Carolina chooses to use any more of those scholarships on a transfer. So keep that in mind. And then the third thing, let me tell you about the transfer portal that you might not be aware of, is that these guidelines, and, or I guess not guidelines because they're very specific policies and regulations. So these regulations for the transfer portal does not or do not apply to grad transfers. And so a grad transfer could still leave their current school and then transfer somewhere else because that that was already a thing that players even before the transfer portal and the one time transfer waiver um, were a thing that grad transfers could just go as they chose, like Cam Johnson coming to North Carolina, that type of thing. And so just keep that in mind. You could still still see people leave their school and then go to somewhere else. And that's a thing. So if you see it, that's probably why. Well, we still need to do our usual Friday work of the heels of the week, some yay and some boo, some weekend whip around, all sorts of end of season, some postseason action happening for several Carolina sports teams. Um, and we're going to get to all of that in just a second. All right, let's start off with our heels of the week. We'll start with the yay first, and it is this as you probably know last saturday was the kentucky derby i've never been to this thing but it's always fun to sit down and watch and again uh i'm just now remembering it's so weird like Bronny james committed just in the little bit of time there before the kentucky derby to usc how funny was that but anyway there's always all sorts of luminaries and celebrities and people that you see at the kentucky derby and i thought it was really funny to see Armando Baycott there with RJ Davis, but also hanging out with Hunter Dickinson, who you're probably aware was an AAU teammate teammate of Armando Baycott's, as well as Oscar Shibway from Kentucky, previously from West Virginia, the player of the year two years ago. And it's just a funny mix of dudes because, you know, for a while now, before Dickinson committed to Kansas, there was all this, you know, is I just thought it was a foregone conclusion that Dickinson was going to wind up at Kentucky with Sheboy still checking out things in the draft and Sheboy telling Kentucky, hey, go ahead and get my replacement if I 
dude choose to come back to school, I'll just deal with what I got to deal with. And so it's just an interesting crew to be all together. But I just thought it was cool. It was neat to see Armando and RJ out just doing something different and fun and then hanging out with those other guys. And obviously they they know each other and, and are um, spending some time together there. And so you love to see stuff like that and uh, pretty neat there. Um, at the same time, though, want to beat the pants off of Kansas if Carolina should play them at any point this year. And still waiting to see what Oscar Shibway does, but let's just say he comes back to Kentucky. Would love to beat the pants off of them if the Tar Heels should end up playing them at all this year. And then the Boo Tar Heel of the Week. And this one isn't like actually bad, but it's just kind of fun and ingest. And several people have been poking fun at this person, and that is Will Shaver. Uh, as we alluded to earlier in the week, I said, um, I can tell you for certain that Will Shaver is not coming back to North Carolina, but I was not going to tell you where he was going, wanted him to be able to do that himself. And that, of course, as you know now, is transferring home to UAB, University of Alabama at Birmingham, which is where Will Shaver is from. And so it makes a ton of sense for him to go back there after he left Carolina, committed to Belmont, backed off of that, and is now committing to UAB which makes, again, uh, I thought it was probably where he would have gone in the first place. But the reason for the booing of Will Shaver is that he also, on Thursday, in addition to announcing his UAB commitment, put up a throwback, a Thursday throwback, throwback Thursday, whichever order you want to say, of the game back in 2013, December 1st of 2013, when Carolina went down to play UAB when Coach Jared Haas, Haas excuse me, was there at UAB before he went out to Stanford. You might remember UAB won that game 63 to 59. And so he was just straight up, like just giving it to Carolina. Uh, by the way, so before we talk about that leading score that day for the Tar Heels in the loss, any guesses? Three, two, one. His brother is going to be a sophomore on next year's team. That's right. JP Tokido leading score that day was 16 points. Second leading score. Any guesses there? Three, two, one. One, he's currently on the North Carolina basketball staff, Mr. Marcus Page. So uh, those two guys in a losing effort. Now, here's the thing with this Will Shaver tweet. I honestly thought it was hilarious. I I, I mean, like if he was trolling, it was in a, like a ha-ha sort of way. I don't think he was doing it to be vindictive or divisive or anything like that. Um, and, and I loved it because several other guys were throwing stuff back at him on twitter first thing i saw was like bdot uh throwing up the um the denzel post from training day because what happened was will eventually took this down and bdot's energy was like bro just leave it up you know and then uh brandon robinson quote tweeted that jimmy seafood got after him talking about a big mac or something jalen washington was giving him a big thumbs down and all that, I just realized I've still got that scholarship chart up. Let me get rid of that. I apologize, everyone. Um, and so, um, honestly, I think this is just guys having fun with each other on Twitter. I don't think this is anything to make a thing of. And and frankly, I think Will should have just left it up. But but I get it. He probably got some heat and some flack back for it. And so he, he maybe thought, ah, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. It was inappropriate and took it down. We've all been there. I get that. But again, I don't think this was um, Will being malicious in any way. But all the same, he's getting the two thumbs down 
you are the heel of the week in the bad sense. All right, let's get to our weekend whip around. Lots of action going on, uh, either nearing or at the postseason. We got to start with baseball, who had a dramatic walk-off victory over the Wolf Puppies on Thursday night. So Carolina's hosting NC State this weekend, Thursday to Saturday, for their final home series of the regular season. By the way, let me just go ahead and forecast ahead so that we can talk about the game and what happened. Friday tonight, 7 o'clock on ACC Network. Tomorrow, Saturday, 2 p.m. on ACC Network Extra. They've got Coastal Carolina midweek and end the regular season by going to Clemson next Thursday through Saturday. But as for Thursday night, this game seemed like a lost cause from the word go. NC State scored five runs in the first inning. The Tar Heels were down five runs before they even came up to bat. That ain't what you're looking for, is it? No, absolutely not. And then they were down eight to five heading into the eighth inning. So, and you know, even five, five to nothing in the first is much more overcomable in my eyes than eight to five in the eighth. But Carolina scored two in the eighth, got another run across in the, in the ninth to tie it. And then with one out, and an 0-1 count on Colby Wickerson, Wickerson, Wilkerson, excuse me, he laid down this perfect squeeze bunt down the first baseline, scoring Eric Grintz, a catcher, by the way, who's streaking down on the suicide squeeze, scores like no time, no play at the plate, basically caught NC State, and you love to see it. I love, love that Coach Forbes made this call. It's so gutsy. For those of you who aren't baseball people, a suicide squeeze is where the runner on third takes off on the pitch, basically stealing home. But the runner, or excuse me, the batter, to make sure they put the ball in play, just bunts it. And then it's basically, you, you don't do this with two outs. It's got to be less than two outs, zero outs or one out. And it's if they can get the bunt down, it is a no-brainer run. And so that's, that's what Coach Forbes called for a walk-off suicide squeeze. I am here for that energy. I love it. Sadly, staying on the diamond on the flip side, though, the Carolina softball team lost to Clemson 2-1 to in the ACC quarterfinals on Thursday. Now, let's move to tennis, where we get right back to action. You know that last weekend, both tennis teams, women and men, made good work of their opponents um, hosting those first two rounds in the regionals, and now we're both playing in the Super Regional. For the women, as a reminder, they are the number one overall seed. And so they are hosting there in Chapel Hill, the Super Regional, the Sweet 16 round. That is today, Friday at 5 Eastern time. And they are hosting the Chomp Chomp Florida Gators. And so obviously the winner of this will be on to the 18 NCAA championship starting Wednesday down in Orlando. Uh, for those of you who might not you know, keep up with team tennis. Maybe you're just tuning in because it's the end of the year. What happens is there are three singles matches, just one set. Whoever takes two of those gets a doubles point, And then you play six singles matches, each one, a, a two out of three. And you are each match counts for one point and first team to four points wins. And so Carolina, uh, the women's team blanked both of their opponents last weekend. But here's what's really cool about taking on Florida. And I got to thank our guy, Brian Jones, at Brian J. Jones on Twitter, who, by the way, played tennis for Carolina, 89 to 92. P.S. Brian's not going to be the one to say it, but I will. This dude is an absolute stud 
uh, in his years playing for Carolina. Make sure you go check out his bio. Anyway, Brian DM'd me this week to make sure I knew of the connection between Carolina's women's team and Florida's women's team. And he says this, quote, Thanks for covering the tennis teams on the show. Brian, my pleasure. I love getting to talk tennis. It's an interesting subplot when Gators play the heels this weekend. The Gators are coached by Roland Thornquist, who is a a legendary UNC men's tennis player. He also coached Thornquist, that is, coached UNC women prior to current coach Brian Kalbus, and he has won four natties with the Gators. So great stuff from Coach Thornquist there. Big thanks to Brian for saying that, who also, by the way, said Roland was my teammate during the early 90s and was instrumental in our top eight finish in the final rankings in 92. So two Carolina legends there. One we'll see going up against the Tar Heels this weekend and one who will obviously be cheering on, hopefully, his alma mater and not his former teammate. So interesting subplot indeed, Brian. Thank you so much for that tidbit and sharing it with us. We got to get these two guys on the show together. How fun would that be to get those two former teammates? And by the way, court coach Thornquist, as, as Brian said, played at Carolina 91 to 93 and uh, talked about Brian being a stud. Yeah. Coach Thornquist was absolutely the same as for the men's tennis team. They do not get to host a super regional because they're the 16 overall. So they're in Austin, Texas, playing number one overall. Texas, that takes place Saturday at four. Very quickly, women's lacrosse, they got the number four overall seed in the NCAA tournament. They've been a top five seed in the NCAA tournament for the past 14 straight seasons. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So this weekend, hosting the first and second rounds, they will play Sacred Heart today, Friday, 2 Eastern. And then uh, following that, the other two teams in the region are Richmond and Marquette. The two winners, hopefully Carolina being one of them, will play on Sunday at noon for the chance to move on to their own Sweet 16. Uh, Very quickly, track, outdoor ACC championships going on this weekend. Women's rowing, same thing, ACC championships. So best of luck to all the Tar Heel teams in action. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. That's it for this week of Locked on Tar Heels. Want to make you, uh, uh, not make you, I want to say thank you, excuse me, to you all as always for joining in with us. I love this growing community. I hope you're enjoying it too. Uh, Bring a friend, bring somebody who loves the Tar Heels and let's keep growing this thing. If you would go leave a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen, five stars, leave a funny anecdote or, or why you love the show. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Heels or me at Isaac Shade. You can email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to get in those mailbag questions. Also, don't forget, subscribe to the show, smash the like button, and leave comments on your thoughts about what Carolina is going to do with DeMarco gone, how they're going to use these final three scholarships. Thanks for spending your Friday hanging out with me. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, even when guys are leaving the program. I promise you it still is. Be back with you on Monday, but until then, peace.